Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. As you might expect, the Rugby World Cup is the focus this week as the All Blacks prepare to put the ghosts of 2007 behind them. We head to Cardiff. We also talk to former All Black lock Chris Jack on his memories of that 2007 quarter-final loss. And a leading sports psychologist tells us it's the fans rather than the players who are getting all superstitious about the match. Well, just what are France thinking about as they prepare to take on the All Blacks? We also hear from triathlete Andrea Hewitt, who's the first athlete picked in the New Zealand Olympic team for next year's Rio Games. Equestrian Blythe Tate ponders the prospect of a fifth Olympics after New Zealand qualified for the team's competition in Rio, while the New Zealand men's hockey team have one last chance to get to the Games. The All Blacks have made four changes to their starting lineup for the rugby quarter-final against France at Millennium Stadium in Cardiff on Sunday morning. Richie McCaw, Brodie Retallick and Julian Savi all return after spells on the sidelines, while Wyatt Crockett's been named to start at loose head prop, replacing the injured Tony Woodcock. It's the seventh meeting between the two sides in the tournament's history, and the fifth during the knockout stages. Alex Coogan-Reeves reports from Cardiff. Luke McAllister, Andrew Hoare, lost it forward, it's over. France, 20, the All Blacks 18, upset number two in the quarterfinals of the Rugby World Cup 2007. There's no doubt that memory will be fresh in the minds of All Blacks fans as their side prepares to meet the team that famously undid them at the same ground at the same stage of the tournament eight years ago. This will be the third straight time the two teams have met in the knockout stages, making it arguably the most famous rivalry in World Cup history. But the All Blacks coach Steve Hansen says it goes back even further than that. It's been a great relationship between the two countries for a long, long time and Apart from the Rainbow Warrior, you know, we've probably been on the same page most of the time. But, as I said, the relationship's been great. And, and there's always been, you know, some days when uh, you just wonder uh, who's turned up. But most of the time they turn up and when it's a big occasion they always turn up and, and um, you know, we have to turn up with them. The French gave an indifferent performance in their 24-9 loss to Ireland, bringing back memories of their shock defeat to Tonga and pool play at the last World Cup before their run to the final. The All Blacks midfield veteran Ma'anono is well aware of France's tendency to lift when playing on the biggest stage. We expect a different French side this weekend. You know, um, the French play with flair and um, when it comes to crunch matches or when the French have their backs against the wall, they're, they're a different kind of beast. While France's 2011 campaign was filled with drama as the players revolted against the then coach Marc Levremont, the squad is much more harmonious at this tournament. The journalist Karim Ben-Ismail from the French sporting publication L'Equipe 
says that may be a disadvantage for the French team. The only consistency with French is the inconsistency. So you can never, you never know, even for us French. What, what, what makes us fear versus the French is that they're not being humiliated. The, the beast is not wounded enough. <laughs> so maybe they, they will be less savage versus the All Blacks. However, the All Blacks maintain they're not focused on how their opposition is going and say their preparation has been ideal. The halfback Aaron Smith says the biggest challenge has been managing his excitement levels before the biggest game of his career. Played a lot of big games for the All Blacks, and this just feels like it's exactly where we want to be, and this is where I want to be right now. And um, it's a really good feeling. I guess if anything, it's just toned down a bit during the week and just slowly build. You know, I want to play the game today in my head, so that that's all I'd sort of be focusing on. A sellout crowd is expected at Millennium Stadium for the match, which follows the first quarterfinal between South Africa and Wales at Twickenham. In Cardiff, Alex Coogan-Reeves. A leading sports psychologist is warning rugby fans not to become too superstitious or obsessed about the ghosts of Rugby World Cup's past when the All Blacks play France this weekend. Professor Gary Hermanson's worked with the Black Caps and New Zealand and Olympic Commonwealth Games teams. He says while history shows the All Blacks do have problems at the elimination phase of the tournament, that's no reason to be anxious this time. The French obviously will be inspired by the uh, by the history. Um, the thing we have to watch out for is we don't get anxious about the history. The concern at the moment is that there's a lot of almost superstitious behaviour and, and um, discussion going on, but the All Blacks clearly have to approach it as a clean new start, and the advantage for them is that uh, this time they, they beat France, France twice in the last World Cup, and they obviously are the world champions, And whereas if they had not won in 2011, this would be much more meaningful. Um, history would show, however, that um, in this stage of World Cup, um, it gets to be uh, the risk is that they play a different kind of game, the risk is that they lose their decision-making energy and um, their skills can drop away. But um, that's what's going to be intriguing about the next uh, two or three weeks. Is it even more superstitious for rugby followers, perhaps, than the All Blacks themselves? Yes, I think it is. You know, And if, if we get too worked up and anxious about that, then we convey that even by you know, some of the media stuff as well. I presume that the All Blacks are staying well clear of media attention, but there's, a, there's some interesting stories there to be developed and pursued, and the risk with that is that those stories suddenly take on momentum of their own and people then start getting anxious about about um, history and everything else, and um, that can often then get contagious and the problem then can, can uh, be accentuated. Superstitions, how, how do they bear themselves out, though? Well, often people then sort of um, you know, get anxious about that and, and, and then they finish up getting emotionally distressed about it. But often superstitions can be, oh, well, we'll you know, um, in terms of whatever happened uh, in Cardiff 2007 that we were doing at the time or what we were, um, how we were preparing for the game or, you know, if you're watching the game, things of that kind, people might work towards doing something entirely different as a way of trying to break that hoodoo. Um, and uh, it can have its own momentum and probably with the people back home it's going to be rather harmless but if players start getting worked up about um, what they did in 2007 and how they um, uh, the result of that and then start trying to change that it's another uh, to do that you have to get preoccupied a bit with how it all turned out and once you start getting preoccupied with the result then you're going to lose the energy and the power that goes with the performance and it's clear what's going to be important for the All Blacks in the next few weeks is the ability to be able to um, 
hold that tension about how important this is and how great it would be to win well, the World Cup. Sorry, win the World Cup with um, you know the various people who are going to retire and whatever. Once they get dragged into that space, uh, that's when things can go awry. The fact that we're even interviewing you about this topic says something in itself, doesn't it? And maybe does it show that we're being a bit pathetic about it all? Well, I guess it does in a, in a certain, uh, to a certain extent. On the other hand, you know, it's, it's been shown that it's this dimension that has been um, problematic up until now anyway, so it's probably um, understandable that as we move into this phase, um, this topic becomes a bit more central, and it could be a topic which is, yes, we've, we've turned the corner, we've made some differences, and I know that um, Steve Anton and Gilbert Anoka and others have been working very hard on that mental thing, and they've shifted from don't uh, don't um, give attention to the pressure to let's embrace the pressure and let's regard it as you know excitement and um, and what we've prepared for a long time, and um, that's that shift is quite important. Provided, of course, that um, that can override the other stuff that gets in the way a little bit about um, the significance of the occasion and the catastrophe if we don't do well. That's sports psychologist Professor Gary Hermanson. Now, the former All Black lock Chris Jack was in the side that lost to France in Cardiff eight years ago, but he told Patrick O'Mara that he doubts history will repeat itself. The history makers are probably not going to look back too much. They're going to keep looking forward, and I think... Um yeah, they'll, they'll do the evaluation on France just like they did on everybody else and prepare for the game. What is that about France this time around? What is it about France that, that you think uh, the All Blacks will be focusing on? I'm not sure if they'll be too focused on France, to be honest, man. I think they'll be more concerned about um, just going out there and playing well themselves, making sure they get their game in play. And, if, you know, you just saw that last half against Tonga. If they can perform like that, I don't think they'll have too many problems. So look, it's, you don't nothing. Nothing about this game will will spell pressure from the All Blacks' point of view. Other than it's a quarter final in the World Cup, which has <laughs> obviously got its own pressures that come with it. Um, yeah, you know, they'll just approach it like any other Test match against France. You know, they'll do their research, they'll see where they're strong and, and where they need to work, and, and they'll um, go out there and execute it hopefully to the best of their abilities. Yeah. What do you think that New Zealand's strengths are going to be where they might look at France uh, where they have where they have weaknesses? Or do you just see the, the game plan in, in general will be uh, one, the way that they've been playing, they'll just continue to play like that? Yeah, I think they'll continue to play like that a lot. But, you know, um, New Zealand rugby is built on, on great outside backs. And, and you look at what we've got at the moment with um, the three wingers that we're currently holding and Ben Smith at the back, you know, we're really strong. and um, There's no other team that can match us like that in the world. So I guess that's always going to be our strength of all black rugby. And that hasn't changed for years, you know. And what are the forwards going to have to do? The forwards have just got to get in the ball and get them quality ball, you know. Um, and you, I think when you saw the second half of Tonga, the Tonga game, the forwards started to take control a bit more, um, really rumble it up a bit more, and, and um, tying the, the Tongan defenders, which made it a lot more easier for, for those guys out wide just to finish off, which was great. Has the All Blacks, in your mind, got the firepower to beat France? <laughs> yeah, definitely, mate. Um, I know that sounds a pretty casual answer, but uh, just being honest, mate, they haven't shown any reason why they shouldn't beat France. Um, you look at their history, the... the 18 out of their last 20 games, there's, there's nothing there that uh, says they shouldn't win. And um, you look at French's 
France's history over the last four years, and there's, there's nothing to suggest that they can win. So, um, as far as it goes for me, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable that the All Blacks should come out to win. That's former All Black lock Chris Jack talking to Checkpoints Patrick O'Mara. Now, it's all very different for the French, of course. For them, the 2011 loss to the All Blacks in the World Cup final in Auckland looms large, and it's that, rather than memories of their upset 2007 quarter-final win, which will be their motivation. France come into the match on the back of a disappointing 24-9 loss to Ireland in their final pool match. The French, though, know more than most about what it takes to upset the form book. Alex Coogan-Reeves spoke to French journalist Karim Ben-Ishmael, who writes for the L'Equipe newspaper, about just what France makes of the All Blacks. The synonym of excellence. That's the, the ultimate excellence they're, they're having uh, every three and a half, three and a half years uh, outstanding performances. But the knockout rounds, it's a different thing. It's all about effect, about emotions. And uh, I think on Saturday game... Um, you're far away technically in terms of speed, in terms of uh, rugby knowledge, but uh, we have not to forget that it's also a combat sport. And in terms of uh, combat spirit, every weekend in France, you're, you're, you're trained on that. You know, in the Super 15, uh, there's no knockout game. Wherever you lose or, uh, or win, you stay. In France, there's a huge, huge pressure from the presidents, from the money, not to lose games, otherwise you go down. So this combat spirit, they have it, and they prove it every four years versus the All Blacks. So you think it's a mental edge that French players have that sort of has helped them in World Cups over the last, well, since the history of the World Cup? Yes, definitely. And also for the All Blacks, the mental plays a role also. I've, I've heard the press conference and the All Blacks are always saying, oh, it's a knockout round, it's a knockout round. Uh, if you don't play good, uh, you'll go home. So maybe they're, they're struggling versus... It's... it's unknown for them and what is unknown makes you fear whether you face the French or the Aussies or, or the South Africans the All Blacks won't, won't admit to thinking about 2007 but do you think when they get out there it'll be in the back of their minds I don't think the French are thinking about 2007 I think they're thinking about 2011 the final 1.7 versus 8 the refereeing of, uh, um, what's his name again, the South African referee, Joubert. Uh, Craig Joubert. They feel it was unfair. They deserve to win this final. They're more on 2-11 than on 2-7. And remember uh, 2011, obviously, there was a lot of uh, infighting with the players and Leverum on the coach. The players sort of used that to motivate them. Yes. What's the French camp like in this World Cup? Are they a lot more together or...? Uh, they're, they're more stick together. They're m- less struggle versus the, versus the head coach. Uh, I think they're more stick together. You think they they would be better if they had their backs up against the wall a bit more than what they do at the moment? Maybe we don't know because the only consistency with French is the inconsistency. So you can't never you never know even for us French. Do you think that there, there's a chance that they were deliberately holding things back and? and that they're not scared of the All Blacks, given their history against them? I don't think they're scared of the All Blacks. I heard many of them saying the All Blacks are not playing good that way, and we would prefer... Uh, some of them had preferred the All Blacks than the Argentinian, because we are the black cats of the All Blacks, but the Argentinian are the black cats of the French. And uh, remember, in 2007, the Argentinian uh, beat us two times. So uh, we had... The, between the Argentinian and the All Blacks, we had the choice between... Uh, 
pest and cholera. <laughs> the French public, how how are they sort of feeling about this game? Are they pretty bullish and confident going oh, into no, it? Very much excited. Very much excited. Once again, because there's a like an uh, unconscious feeling of, of on which we can do it again. So there's a lot of hope, and I'm sure the audience rates are going to be huge on this game. That's French journalist Karim Ben Ishmael talking to our Rugby World Cup reporter Alex Coogan Reeves. And of course, there's uh, other quarterfinals happening over Sunday and Monday. South Africa play Wales, Ireland play Argentina, and Australia play Scotland. If the All Blacks beat France, they'll play the winner of the South Africa Wales match in the semis. The triathlete Andrea Hewitt's become the first athlete to gain selection into the New Zealand team for the Rio 2016 Olympics. Hewitt achieved the New Zealand Olympic Committee selection criteria with three World Triathlon Series podium finishes, the first coming in the 2014 Grand Final in Edmonton. She followed that up with bronze medals in Auckland and Stockholm this year. Hewitt's selection is, however, conditional upon New Zealand receiving a quota spot for the Rio 2016 women's event, which is likely to be confirmed at the end of May. Matt Chatterton caught up with Hewitt. He spoke about the pride she felt being the first New Zealand athlete selected for Rio. It's my third Olympic Games as well, so it's special too, um, and probably going to be my last. So, um, yeah, to represent New Zealand, it's um, it's an incredible feeling every time. So, uh, And then being first named, um, yeah, I don't even know what to say. Um, so, yeah, I'm just proud to, to be going to Rio and, yeah, um, proud to be going for New Zealand. You've had a pretty successful uh, season on the ITU World Triathlon Series, you would say, I'd imagine. Um, what what would be some of the highlights for you this uh, this season or uh, this series this year? Yes, yeah, so um, this year started in Abu Dhabi, and yeah, before the season, I didn't I had no idea how I was going to go because last year I broke my collarbone. I had a bike crash in China, and I had to fly home and get a plate put in my left shoulder. So. Yeah, my swimming was limited throughout the summer when I trained home, at home in Christchurch. So when I flew to Abu Dhabi, I didn't know how I was going to go. And um, yeah, the first few races this year, I really had to push on the bike to get back into the race because I wasn't swimming as well as um, yeah as well as as well as I normally would. And um, yeah, that just um, pushed me through to have a good season. I managed to get on the podium in Auckland and Stockholm this year. And I wasn't outside the top eight in every in any race. So um yeah, and then finishing second in the world this year on the series ranking, it was yeah, it's a good feeling one year out from the Olympics. Did breaking that collarbone last year, did that put any concerns in your mind back then that possibly uh, Rio might have been out of out of the question? I mean, I know it's only a collarbone, but did it give you any concern that maybe this injury could uh, sort of affect how you go this season? Oh, well, in my mind, it, um, it just made it it harder for me. But I never had any, yeah, doubts that I couldn't, I couldn't compete. Um, yeah, it was more coming from other people that were more worried than I was. Um, I just went on with what I can do and what I did, and I just went through the rehab. I did it properly and started training when I could, and I did what I could. And during the race, the same thing. Um, yeah, I knew I wasn't swimming that well, so. I just did the best I could, and yeah, if that meant I had to work harder on the bike, then that's what I did. And um, yeah, 
a triathlon to two hour race, so it starts with a swim, but it ends on the run. And if I, you know, what I've been doing the last, well, most of my career is trying to build up my run because I know that that's where the triathlons won or lost um, to last league always, and you have to run fast to have a good result. So, would you say that um, obviously the, the the swimming was the the big thing that you had to work on this year, or was running still of your main priority? Being as you just mentioned that it's one or, one or lost in the running. Yeah, definitely the run is my priority. It's been my priority for a few years now. Um, I started as a surf lifesaver, so swimming was always my strength. Um, but yeah, triathlon it's um, evolved. The years. I've been doing it 11 years now, so it's evolved each year, and the strength on the swim is really getting a lot, um, a lot better. The the quality of the swim field, so um, everyone's becoming a stronger swimmer, and it's a lot harder to swim. But the race is always finishing on the run, so um, without a run, yeah, a triathlon's not really a triathlon. So yeah, um, I've been co- really concentrating on the run, and that was my priority again this year. Looking uh, ahead for the next few months, what have you got on, on the cards at the moment? What are you sort of working towards at the moment? Yeah, so my last race was in Chicago three weeks ago, and so I've been on break since then. Um, yeah, and I got my plate taken out of the collarbone, so um, yeah, I'm not going to get back into the water for another couple of weeks at least. Um, but then I'll head back, to, back home to Christchurch for the summer and train there. My... Um, my fiance is French, and he's training another three French athletes, and um, so we've got a small squad that he will be bringing to Christchurch to train. And yeah, we'll build together there towards the races next year and the Olympics. That's Andrea Hewitt talking to Matt Chatterton. Blythe Tate's dream of making it to a fifth Olympics is a step closer after New Zealand's equestrian team sealed a place at the Games next year with a third-place finish at the qualification event in the Netherlands. New Zealand selectors will decide next year which riders make the cut for the four-member team. Tate, who came second overall in the competition, won gold at Atlanta in 1996 and retired from the sport after the 2004 Athens Olympics. He started a slow and frustrating comeback in 2011, but says he's getting back to his best now. 2011, I um, got a horse, but it didn't go to plan. He had a back injury and couldn't perform. So um, since then, it's been a bit of a slow process of back to square one and um, bringing young horses through and sort of only just getting to this level now. Do you feel like you have got the horsepower now? Um, Who knows? They've still got to keep performing at the next level um, I have some fairly ambitious plans for them in the spring of next year and if they prove themselves then then um, you know I might be able to contribute towards a, a team effort but um, there's still a little bit of work to do, to do but um, I feel that they're on target and today's result certainly was a step in the right direction. You initially had a bit of frustration when you first came back. One of the issues was that you weren't getting enough competition time. Do you feel you're at the right level now that you've got enough practice time? Um, Yes, I do. And um, that was a frustration because I have had qualification issues. Because of being out of sport for seven years, I um, had to start the whole process again. Uh, There was no short um, cuts or 
or fast-tracking just because I had experience in the past. So it was frustrating, but that's all behind me now. Do you feel as though you're getting back to how you were at your peak or getting close to it? Um, well, yes, I do. I feel like, the, I mean, I had a good performance this weekend. This particular horse has been third in another strong competition in Ireland. Um, I'm looking forward to taking a horse called Ben Associated to Poe in a couple of weeks for his first four-star. So, yeah, it's all getting much more exciting than it was. And I suppose um, the great thing is that there is a lot of depth now. Um, I mean, Mark Todd wasn't even there this weekend. We've also got Andrew Nicholson in the mix. Um, I mean, what, what, are your, what do you think your chances are of being able to go to Rio next year? Uh, at this stage, I've got work to do. But, I mean, horses are horses. Things change quite quickly with them. They're, you know, a, an animal that we've got to look after and, and they've got to be on, on their own um, uh, performance, you know, their own strength at the time as well. So, you know, anything can happen in six months. But uh, it is a strong team. There's been some great performance by the other riders. And, you know, I think that, that really bodes well because we want to go into the games with a strong team. So we hope it all holds together and we'll just be through the selective seeds but and, you know, best to, to take the, the places. Do you still enjoy it as much as you used to? Yeah, definitely. I think the break away from the sport really sort of kindled my um, enthusiasm for it again. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm finding it very challenging and anything that's challenging you like to, you know, do well at. So, um, yeah, I am enjoying it. Have you noticed that the standards are higher than what they used to be? Um, not really. I mean, it, it takes a while to develop the horsepower that you need at this level and, the likes of him and Janelle have, you know, achieved that and are, are really enjoying, you know, a bit of success at the moment. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a probably, possibly a bit more depth in numbers at the upper end now. The dressage standard has certainly um, improved. But the cross-country and the show jumping for me is fairly similar to how it was when I uh, retired back in 2004. That's the New Zealand event of Blythe Take talking to Bridget Tunnicliffe. The New Zealand men's hockey team's been named for the upcoming Oceania Cup in Stratford, where the Black Sticks will have one last chance to qualify for Rio. The 20-year-old striker Leo Matai Wells will make his international debut, while fellow striker Stephen Janess has been recalled to the side. Matt Chatterton spoke to coach Colin Batch about his selections, starting with debutant Matai Wells and the role Batch expects him to play. He'll have a specific role out there. He'll have short minutes on the ground, and uh, we want him to provide some energy for us up front. And uh, you know, he, he is um, he can provide that for us. I think he's quite disciplined, um, and uh, in the the team environment, I think he'll do quite well. I see. Uh, obviously, you wrapped up your series with uh, India and the South Island Tour just uh, earlier earlier this week or last week. Could you give us a bit of a run-through of uh, the series was uh, lost, unfortunately, but um, do you think uh, with your selections you've made that this team going forward to play in the Oceania Cup, they can rebuild and uh, and take this cup out from com- compared to the South Island Tour? Well, our sole purpose wasn't just to win the series. You know, if that happens, fine, but our, it was more important that um, we established our playing structure um, our understanding and our clarity of role uh, with the players. So that was more important um, than winning. 
Um, we won the first test, then lost two, and then um, we drew the, the last one. But I, I really do think our last performance was our best. And, uh, you know, I think that's given our players some quite good confidence um, uh, leading into the Oceania Cup. The Australians are the world champions and world number one, I believe, at, the, at this stage. Going into it, is, do you think there's a, quite a good chance that New Zealand could get over Australia? Well, our main focus has on, been on developing our own group. Um, we do know a fair bit about Australia, and uh, you know, they have brought some different players into the, the mix um, so we've scouted them pretty well, but our main focus is developing our own game, and I think if we keep that focus, then we'll see the best of um, the Black Sticks. On top of that, on top of that focus of development, though, I'm imagining that uh, getting this automatic qualification is quite vital to the team. Is that correct? Yeah, it is. Um, you know, that's what uh, the last three years has been about qualifying uh, for the for Rio. So, yes, it is an extremely important event for us. Um, but we're not daunted um, by that prospect. Um, we need to relax about it and uh, enjoy the moment. It's a huge challenge for us, there's no doubt about that. Um, but uh, the guys will be up for it. I'm very confident that we'll um, produce some very good hockey. That's Blacksticks coach Colin Batch talking to Matt Chatterton. And that brings us to the end of Extra Time for another week. Remember, if you wish to contact us, you can email us at sport at radionz.co.nz. And you can follow us on Twitter to keep up with all the latest sports news. It's, it's RNZ Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. Bye for now. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.